Welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Keela Cash, and I'm back here per the usual recapping all things WWE as we are now two weeks away from WrestleMania's night one and two going down live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Yes, two weeks to go until the road to WrestleMania is over. But thankfully, I am not alone as I have with me per the usual, my co-captain, my right-hand man, and the advocate for the still-missing Von Wagner back as always, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. Uh, thank you for having me, Keela. You know, as always, it's a blast to chop it up with you and to talk the week that was WWE. Uh, yes, I still have Big Daddy V on the sidelines waiting the call to return. Uh, this week it was because, um, you know, and we'll get to it, there was uh, the, the, the news that came out about, um, you know, a man that's going to change the face of of not only wrestling, but of racism in wrestling. So this was not the week for Big Daddy V to make his comeback. Uh, We'll have to push that back another week. Yes, a more important name is making his return to WWE at long last. And I know that you did not want to upstage Von Wagner or perhaps have this person upstage him because of it. I completely understand it. But Von Wagner, you still matter, sir. You matter more less on my TV, but you still matter nonetheless. And speaking of that person who we'll get to shortly, we're returning to WWE at long last. I do have a major homework assignment to announce coming to you very soon via the Fight Game Media Network Plus on Patreon. Scott and I will be reviewing WrestleMania 30 from nearly eight years ago this year that was replayed on ESPN a couple of years ago during the early days of the pandemic. So if you want to watch along with us and listen back to all thoughts on that show, from 2014 that shall be dropping near you very soon before WrestleMania's night one and two and as a sneak preview Scott what are your flash impressions on WrestleMania 30 oh boy flash impressions Daniel Bryan was the most one of the most over acts I've ever seen in my life Uh, the Miz had one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in my life and we should be very as much as we complain about the women and stuff man we are in such a better place with women's wrestling than we were back then Oh, my God, that match involving AJ Lee versus the entire Divas division. Thankfully, she won. But Lord, the presentation from eight years ago, we were down bad, y'all. This was just sad times. It was dark hours. Fortunately, we are in a much better place in 2022 as we get ready for WrestleMania's night one and two. But my God, that flashback is not a pleasant one. All I can think about as well is the overness of Daniel Bryan, Triple H coming through with possibly his greatest ring entrance to date and seeing the future of WWE via the ladies that escorted him down to the ring. We'll get to that via our flashback review, but that was a nice little nugget of things to come for NXT and the main roster for that matter. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great call. Um, the Triple H thing is spot on too. Yeah, this was this was you know we kind of touched on it a little bit off air, but this was a a really a real mixed bag of a show, especially looking back at it because there was some fantastic things, but there are some really baffling decisions on this show as well. Yes, and spoiler alert: I hated John Cena <laughs> on this show. The vibes I got were so 2008 through at least 2015. And I hated this man. 
sincerely on this night. You know why, if you remember the show. If you look back, you'll be even more angry in hindsight. And one more fun fact, The Shield and how they were presented at back-to-back WrestleManias. To see an over-trio like that get that kind of WrestleMania treatment, even with the win, was disappointing. Yeah, that's that's one of the more baffling things. And just... I mean, even just down to like the entrances of how that went down, the whole thing with the shield was just really weird. The match placement, just everything about that. It was they're them as a unit and WrestleMania is is a very weird relationship. Yes, it is wholly unremarkable considering how over they were as a team for well over two plus years. But we'll get to that via our Patreon review. If you want to listen to the entire show, you can sign up today via Fike Media Network Plus by going to patreon.com slash Media for $5 a month. And you'll be able to listen to this and every bonus show that drops in that feed at least once a month, plus the weekly shows that give you everything that you need in terms of combat sports and professional wrestling. So you know what to do. Log on to patreon.com backslash Media and pay $5 a month for all things Fike Media Plus. And with that, we have to transition to some very sad news that broke in the last week or so regarding the passing of Scott Hall. And it was news that nobody really wanted to see or hear about, but it went down this past Monday. And we had some hope on Monday afternoon when he was taking off life support that he was still breathing on his own. There was some faint hope. But when that graphic popped up, acknowledging his passing prior to the start of Monday Night Raw, my heart dropped. And then Sean Watman's tweet saying that he was gone, that broke me too. That was just a very sad way to end a Monday night. But I can take comfort in the fact that Scott Hall got his flowers not once but twice while he was here when he was inducted twice into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014 and 2021, respectively, alongside the 2020 Hall of Fame class. So I just take into the totality of his career how much he changed the game as Razor Ramon, as Scott Hall in WCW, and the swagger he had as Razor Ramon, the toothpick, the clothes, the shit talk. The wrestling, Razor Ramon and Scott Hall as one force was a great professional wrestler. And I've looked back at clips this week of him and Shawn Michaels in a ladder match, in a standard match. They just clicked in every single way. So we got that to look back on. And now we know he's no longer in any pain. And it's a relief to know he's in a better place right now. But the bad guy will be sorely missed by all. So Scott, what are your thoughts on the passing of Scott Hall and his impact in WWE and WCW for that matter? Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a terrible thing. And, you know, wrestling it just seems like a sport where we just we lose people way too early. And it, it always seems to come at a time when they're doing well in life and then, you know, just tragedy happens. So it's it's a sad thing. And, you know, I, I feel for you could tell how hard it hit the wrestling community, like a guy like Kevin Nash, you know, somebody who has spent his entire life with and just as a friend you know just thinking about losing like my best friend something like that it's it's got to be heartbreaking for kevin nash so my heart is broken for him and you know just his family and whatnot as far as the legacy and the impact he's left on wrestling it, it can't be talked about what he what he and kevin nash were just able to do and obviously Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff were a huge part of that too but those two were the outsiders you know those two were the two that really got it kicked off and if those two 
Kevin Nash and Scott Hall aren't able to engage the audience to have this just charisma where you want to see them do anything they can to be these big dudes who can work in the ring, who can get over their character, who people cared about. If it wasn't those two, the NWO may not be what we know as it is today and it may not have worked as greatly as it did today. So his legacy and his impact will forever be felt. Um, he, for, I know for me personally, um, you know, just kind of looking back because I was a WCW guy, he was one of the bad guys I really liked. You know, he was, he was just really cool to me. Um, he had a swag to him that you, that you couldn't touch. And when you go back and watch him and, you know, you watch some of his matches when he really is a bad guy, there's a charm to his his you know the way he moves and the way he carries himself where you're like yeah I know he's a bad guy but how am I supposed to root against him like he's so cool um I, you know I, I I just I can't talk about enough how big of an impact he's had and what his legacy will stand for and he's someone who will never be forgotten in wrestling and I think that's the greatest impact you can have as a performer is to be somebody that you know will never be forgotten and I think that's something Scott Hall will never have to worry about. Never. This dude is generational and look at the clicks we have in wrestling today inspired by the original click back in the 90s. It spun off the NWO DX, the Bullet Club in New Japan. Like these are clicks that are really born from the coolness of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Waltman, and Triple H. They were cool, personified. You still copy the hand signal to this day because they were so damn cool and the swag was infinite. And my best memory is actually that 2014 Hall of Fame ceremony when he came through in the clean white suit, slick back hair, toothpick, talking from the heart. Was very brief. He wasn't going to give a long speech. Sorry, Mr. T. It wasn't going to go on for two and a half hours he got in and got out but the closing line was everything and I'm just so glad that he was able to receive his flowers when you're here and that does not happen for everybody you get it sometimes after you're gone but to receive the flowers twice that's a blessing and his impact will live on forever thank God for YouTube and Peacock now it's easier to navigate to find the classic Scott Hall moments but he will be sorely missed by everyone and he's touched a lot of people in this industry over the last 30 or so years and the next gen knowing that Damian Priest and Johnny Gagano were able to sit back and watch his match from WrestleMania 10 against Shawn Michaels in that classic ladder match for the IC title and have Aleister Black right there watching this back and getting advice from one of the greats to ever do and how to perfect your style how to do the razor's edge properly in a case of Damian Priest that is something that I can only imagine when you sit there and you learn from a learning tree up close and personal so I just take away the fact that he gave back to the business and the business gave back to him via the love he received over the last week or so. I really like the point that you brought up about him being able to receive the, the the love and the flowers that he should get while he was alive, because that is something that I don't think we do. We get to do enough, um, whether it's just time or whether it's just we think we have more time. You know, we, we think that we have all the time in the world. Um, I, I think that's something that is we. He, we should be very thankful that we were able to do as fans. And I'm sure he was very appreciative of it too. But yeah, I'm really glad you brought that point up because that's something that we don't get to do enough, especially in the wrestling business.
Yes, this business, it's a hard life. It's gotten a lot better in the last 20 or so years, but it's a hard life. And as Bret Hart mentioned in his tribute to Scott Hall, you're up and down the road, 300 plus days a year, that lifestyle can wear you out. And Scott Hall did have his fair, tra- uh, his fair share of troubles and issues throughout his life. And it's a rough life to live when you're going through so much and the road is kind of your solace, but sometimes it could be that curse that really holds you back from true growth. But fortunately, he had a great support system that tried to be there for him. DDP, Kevin Hall, Kevin Nash, excuse me, Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman as well, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, they tried to be there for him during his darkest hours and they did what they could. And he tried to live the best life he could for the time he was here. And that's all we can take away as fans and to know that he's no longer in any pain and his legacy will live on forever. And the influence is right there via how we watch wrestling on the regular. So may he rest and may we keep the memories of his greatness alive. And with that, sad note, let's transition to some happier news regarding something we have been teasing, speculating about for quite some time. According to Mike Johnson from Pro Wrestling Insider, we got the news on Friday night that Cody Rhodes has in fact signed with WWE. It is official, according to Johnson and other sources, as Cody Rhodes is set to presumably debut during WrestleMania weekend. And at long last, we can finally say, what if this what if that it is going down in a couple of weeks we presume do I foresee an outside shot of Cody debuting in Chicago Monday perhaps but most likely this would be a hearty surprise from Wrestlemania 33 in Orlando he'll pop up and surprise Seth at the last possible moment so Scott now that it's official official what are your true thoughts on Cody Rhodes joining WWE at long last to be the first person to jump from AEW back to WWE and have the role of an EV VP to boot. So, you know, I, I'm very excited to see, you know, what the name change is going to be. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking of a couple of names that, that Cody Rhodes, you know, I, I think would fit him very well. Uh, the first one that I, I thought of, uh, you know, we're going to get rid of the Rhodes part. We're going to keep the Cody and we're going to go CLK. Uh, Cody Luther King, um, you know, the CLK, I think there's a good ring there. Um, we could also go with the Rhodes X, you know, in honor of Malcolm X. Uh, so there's something there too. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, he, he's, he's got that old school mentality. Uh, Eminem had blonde hair back in the day. Uh, how about, how about Marshall? Marshall. His name's Marshall. So Marshall, Marshall Rhodes is another potential name for Cody because of the blonde hair. Um, it, this is, this is going to be very interesting to see what the name, I, Doug is still on the table. Let's not act like that's not there either. Doug is still on the table as a possibility. No, all seriousness, man. I, I think this is absolutely fantastic. I think this is great news. This is, This is what is going to keep people fresh. This is good for Cody. You know, there were some AEW fans, you know, who watched religiously who said, you know, they weren't as into Cody. And I get that because he had been there from the beginning. This is going to be a good way to freshen Cody up. And I think his style is going to feel completely different here in WWE. Um, This is a big deal, you know, for one of the creators and one of the bigger names to leave AEW and come to back to WWE. 
amidst everything that's going on, let's not act like WWE has been the saint the last few months. They've 100% been dickheads about everything, and it's all about the almighty dollar. So the fact that he's willing to come back amidst all of that, you know, one tells me he definitely got the bag, you know, and, and Brandy's not, and please, Lord, don't let Brandy come. She needs to stay her tail at home and do that cooking show on YouTube. But Something he must have got a serious bag, you know, to come to WWE the way they've been releasing people and to leave AEW where he knows he is a main event, you know, and I, I've talked about that. He is a main event in AEW. When he faces somebody in AEW, it's a big deal. There's a reason they debut names that they want to make big off the bat against Cody Rhodes, Brody Lee, um, Alistair Black. All these different names, they debut him against Cody Rhodes. Sammy got the big win against Cody Rhodes. There's a reason for that. He has turned himself into a main event there. Um, Can he do that here? We will see. He's going to have all the momentum and everything in his favor at at the start of it. And I think he's going to do fantastic. I I think his promos, he's going to be automatic. He's Coming in, he's going to be top two or three in the promo game off top. Especially as a babyface, nobody's going to be able to touch him. I doubt he's going to be scripted. I would have to think that's one of his things. So I think that's where he's really going to excel. And then you got to think in AEW, you know, he's not one of the top tier workers as far as move set and having these flashy, crazy moves. But he comes back to WWE. He brings. He's going to bring pretty much all of those moves except that cutter. I highly doubt we see any Cody cutters with the arcade mm. there. But mm-hmm. we'll see about that. But he's got a nice move set that's really going to stand out in WWE. Man, I I think Cody could be a really big deal and could establish himself as a main event in WWE too. This is this is a very big deal. When the news broke back in January, courtesy of Sean Ross Sapp, that Cody was working without an AEW contract, everybody was like, huh? Are you serious? And I immediately got a little excited because could it be? Is it possible? And the Royal Rumble was built on this rumor of, hell, Cody's a free agent. He can pop up in St. Louis. It was highly unlikely. But the thought got everybody excited. He even played it up via his final interview in AEW after he lost that ladder match to Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. But what a way to go out, by the way, via that match, his final appearance on AEW TV. But I felt this love of excitement of Cody jumping back to WWE after six years. And the fact this guy walked away, he banked on himself. He wrote a bucket list of everything he wanted to do in the indie scene. And he did every last thing on that list. The one thing he overshot on was the fact that he had no idea he was going to help create another wrestling organization to give WWE a run for their money three years ago via AEW. Nobody saw that coming alongside the Bucks and Kenny Omega and obviously Tony Khan and Chris Jericho for taking the leap and Hangman Page being day one as well. So Cody to build a foundation as an EVP for AEW and to be in some cases the face of the revolution he was the guy that smashed the throne of Triple H at Double Nothing in Las Vegas he was the guy that was the heart soul he was the beat of AEW for so long he was my favorite promo guy in that company in the early days he was over with the people and I know 2021 was not Cody's year in terms of mic work as he tried to end racism but 
enjoy beating Anthony a go-go. That was definitely a choice. We hopped in the Codyverse. It was not very fun. He was playing a game of 4D chess saying, I will never be a heel. I'm a baby face. He would shun the fans. How dare you boom me? I'm the guy that built this place. I'm the guy that built and knocked down the forbidden door. How dare you boo me? And he turned these people and saying, you're right, Cody. We should appreciate you, sir. Look what you did. Like Cody's power on the mic is undeniable. I still think he was better off as a heel in the end in AEW, but he'll be a tremendous asset in WWE as a babyface. He's going to be overnight one at whatever WrestleMania he, he happens to be a part of. He is going to be a star. I know there is some trepidation and doubt about Cody being a mid-card star. He's going to bring back Stardust. I really don't foresee any of that. You don't risk everything by leaving AEW. You don't get lawyers involved. You don't don't walk away from lucrative deals assigned with WWE without any incentives. This guy got a lot of zeros in that contract. It would not shock me if he got five mil a year from WWE because he is just, he's not just a wrestler. He's a businessman. He's got acumen. He realizes that hell contracts are due in a couple of years. I might have a seat at the table for that. I might be able to be in the room with Vincent and Nick Khan. I got producer creds as well. Cody is savvy as fuck. The guy is super intelligent. He's not stupid. I'm sure he and Vince had a heart to heart when he first got the call to say, hey, you're looking for somebody looking for me. I'm free. Let's do this thing. And Vince laid it down. And Vince has a select group of lieutenants he's trust. And if Cody thinks he can be a part of that club, then bank on yourself, take another risk and maybe be the revolution from within, which I think most fans want to see. That's why they're so mad every time we get the tease. Is it MSG? Is it Jacksonville? Is it Chicago? Is it going to be at WrestleMania? Because this guy brings anticipation. He brings a level of of unpredictability that you don't see every day in WWE. And that's what I'm hyped for. And, you know, one thing I, I always go back to when it comes to Cody Rhodes and the kind of the decisions and, and why he does the thing he does. This dude is hungry. He's always been hungry. When he first left, he set out those goals. And like you said, he overshot. But that's because of just the 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 type of guy he is, the type of go-getter he is. I go back to that promo he cut and in my opinion, might be the his best promo he's ever cut when he was going after Jericho for the title. And he said that he went from undesirable to unfreaking deniable. I think that is 100% implemented into his heart and that WWE didn't want him. You know, they didn't care about him. They let him go. And to now to the point where they're, I mean, like, like we just talked about, he might get, he might be getting 5 million a year. He definitely got a bag though. So he's getting this from the, the group that didn't want him from where they, they treated him like he was undesirable. That, in my opinion, I think he wants to go back to WWE and win a title just to say that he did, just to show everyone, look at what I did. I came back and proved my worth. I went out and I think that's kind of the template. All the people that I can think of who went out and up their stock, whether it's they weren't a world champion or they left and became world champion, like a Christian Cage, like a Lashley, even a Lesnar, who was a world champion, he went and became UFC champion. And look what happened when he came back. You know, the, Drew McIntyre, that's another guy. All these people who left and elevated their game, when they came back, they were treated really well. They came back and were treated like stars. And all of them are former world champions. And WrestleMania main eventers. So I, 
in my I don't see how anyone like has any reason to think that Cody will be treated any differently, especially holding the position and the rank that he did. And Keela, you brought up all the hype and all the anticipation he brought. Vince McMahon sees this. Nick Khan sees this. You know, all the Khan see what Rhodes is bringing to the table, whether it's Tony or Nick. They see what he's bringing to the table. So, you know, I don't. There's not, to, for me personally. I don't see anything but good things. Now, I'm definitely not saying WWE can't screw the pooch and mess this whole thing up in one week because they absolutely can. But as of right now, just from what I've seen from guys who elevate their game when they leave and come back, I think Cody Rhodes is going to be world champion in this next year. I see that too. And Cody is in the unique position of being being a guy that left to start up a company and he smacks you in the mouth alongside a whole lot of other people. But he's a key figure. He smacks you in the mouth. He makes NXT go 2.0. He moves you to another night. He basically deconstructs how you do developmental. You're not going to bitch this guy out. You have some level of respect for a guy that completely changed how you view your developmental process. And maybe Cody has a hand in that, too. I simply do not buy this as being simply a talent contract. This goes beyond that. He is a businessman. He has a lot of incentives attached to this. I truly believe so. And I think this is going to work. I honestly believe this is not going to be a bad decision by Cody Rhodes. Do I fear some bullshit? Of course, because it's WWE, but this is a guy that took the competition to Vince McMahon, cut promos about this dude on the mic, fearlessly has the balls to go back, get paid millions of dollars and to be a difference maker at WrestleMania and beyond. Vince understands the value of Cody. He also understands the fact that in a couple of years, contracts from AEW are due. MJF is angling for a big ass contract from somewhere. Jade Cargill, Sammy Guevara. They are very close with Cody. If Cody is a success in WWE, if they don't mess this up, they're like, hmm, Cody's doing pretty good here. Money's to be made. And WWE has a lot of money to spend because NBC Universal and Fox are going to pay them a shit load of money. And they'll have the money to pay some three to four million dollar contracts to people that really need the dough. Trust me on that. Yeah, you're right. I I think that that's a great point you bring up about the contracts coming up and just Cody being a guy who's there who can be like, hey, why don't you come on over here? Look at how things are a little bit different now. Look at, you know, look at how they've been treating me. I can put in a good word for you. And you bring up he might have a little power there, too. Like, that's a really good point about some of these AEW contracts coming up, especially some of these bigger guys that they have or some of these names, names that have been made over there. I, I think that's a really good point. Yes. So this really is going to go hand in hand with developmental for WWE getting their shit together. Cody being a difference maker and Vince having some sense along the way. It's a big ask for Vince to have some sense, but we'll see how it goes with Cody's return to WWE, presumably at WrestleMania. And now as we get to Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins might have a path to WrestleMania after all. But as of right now, he has no path to WrestleMania. And speaking of WrestleMania, in two weeks time, it will be 
Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. And as we look at Raw and SmackDown every single week, we got two singles women's matches going down on the same night for WrestleMania, which is a little surprising to me. But I got to say that Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch have way more heat and excitement versus Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair getting into their SmackDown Women's Championship match for night one of WrestleMania, which is presumably the main event. It has not been announced definitively. They alluded to that fact but plans change in WWE all the time but the reality is I just feel a bit more spice regarding Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch they have a good story dating back to SummerSlam last year via the 26 seconds from hell when Bianca lost to Becky Lynch that still makes me upset to this day and they've spoken about this via their promos as of late I love the physicality between the two I love Becky selling fear of Bianca Belair at every chance and now they're breaking each other's vocal cord boxes (laughs) heading into this show so I'm very very intrigued by how this match is going to play out versus Charlotte and Ronda, which I don't feel, which we'll get to later in the show. But Scott, what are your thoughts on which matchup you are most looking forward to at WrestleMania to headline night one, potentially? Yeah, it's it's definitely Bianca and Becky Lynch. Um, you know, will it? That's a whole nother story. I, I, I think the the story that they have and kind of the history that they both have made is more than enough, or at least it should be more than enough to give them that final spot. I mean, you have the two women who have both stood tall at the at the closing at the end of the night at WrestleMania. That is an incredible accomplishment to have them two facing each other in the following years WrestleMania. You know, that's I, I think that's an amazing feat, you know, going for the title. And I think it's going to be a better match. I think this is going to be a banger. And I also think that this match being the main event, there's less of a chance of the crowd turning on it. And, you know, and I know Bianca's had a little bit more of the boo birds start coming out, but I don't think that's something that's going to take hold of an entire stadium, especially when Bianca starts showing out and starts hitting some of them power moves. And especially when she whips Becky Lynch in the stomach with her hair, which is definitely going to happen the way the story is going. And, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting the show out with Ronda and Charlotte. And I think that would really benefit Ronda and Charlotte as far as reactions go, as far as investment in the match you still get a big star at the beginning you're still getting a really hot crowd with Ronda Charlotte and I think the reaction would really benefit Ronda Rousey because I obviously I see her winning this match and we'll we'll dive into that you know deeper but I just think the reaction part of it would really benefit Ronda and Charlotte a lot more if they go on first and get that hot crowd coming right off the bat who's just excited for WrestleMania to start and I think Bianca and Becky Lynch would do a better job of being able to keep that crowd after the long show and you know have the reaction that WWE is one plus again this is a history-making match, man. You have, I, you know, we, we talked about it, but this is just a history-making match that you're not going to get an opportunity to do with two women at this height that they have. And Bianca can just get a huge win going back-to-back. That would be incredible for her. Yes. The only two women to win their matches in the main event of WrestleMania. That should be the main event of night one of WrestleMania. To That's see the selling point right there. The best right there. And Becky hyped it up via her Twitter account about a month ago. Like that is that's history. That's a stat. That's a fact. And I would run with that. And I'm making it all rhyme because it's true. And I just feel this feud a bit more than Charlotte versus Ronda. And 
I agree with you. If Charlotte and Ronda kicked off WrestleMania, that might be the best for all. I have no doubt that Charlotte Flair would antagonize 80,000 people deliberately to say, are you going to boo me? And she would tell every last one of them to go fuck themselves and she'll have a top 10 (laughs) WrestleMania performance. Ronda, on the other hand, she might turn this to a shoot fight, which would be equally as compelling. So to kick it off that way, I feel better. To close the show, I get flashbacks of WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, Roman versus Brock, a match nobody gave a shit about. So I just want this night to end positively. But I trust Charlotte to turn that crowd in her favor like she did last year at Money in the Bank during a match against Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship at the time. But the selling point, the true main event in my eyes is obviously Bianca and Becky the history's right there the story tells itself and they will show out in the main event spot and here's hoping they come out to the ring before midnight because if not lord now I will say this though if Bianca doesn't win the title not only am I going to be pissed off but then they better not close the show out with Becky Lynch standing tall I, I'm gonna just say that that better not happen because there's no reason Bianca shouldn't be winning this match first of all and I know I said I think I don't think WWE is going to do the right thing I'm starting to change a little bit the way this story's playing out but man I'm gonna tell you what if they close the show and Becky Lynch is standing tall or he, you know what, regardless of where they open her, if Bianca doesn't win the match, I, it's a huge missed opportunity, and I'm going to be so upset, man. I, I, will, I will lose a little bit of confidence in what they do with, the, with Bianca, because I, I, I do think they're going to, I'm starting to think they're going to do the right thing with her. Yes, if that happens, if Bianca Belair does not win at WrestleMania, this episode of The Wrap will be rated NC-17 for very strong, <laughs> strong language that goes stronger beyond what we do on this show. We, we, bo- we will both be incredibly upset and it will not be a pleasant experience. We will say fuck the rest of our review. Good night. The show will be over in five mm-hmm. minutes. See you Sunday. That's how it'll go if that happens. I hope not. It better not happen. We've waited, what, seven months for Bianca to have her moment at WrestleMania to get the win back from Becky Lynch on the grandest stage possible, she better win. Because as I mentioned a few weeks ago, it opens the door for fresher opponents post-WrestleMania. If Becky's still the champion, all you got left is really Rhea and Alexa Bliss, maybe Asuka and Bailey, but they might be on SmackDown. So please, God, have Bianca win to open the floodgates to better matches that will look equally appeasing in reality and on paper at the exact same time. Bianca versus Ronda at Survivor Series is very intriguing to me. Oh, that would be spicy. That's very intriguing to me at Survivor Series. Yes, it is. Oh, she got to win. She got to win. Plain and simple. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, if they don't do the right thing, I I don't know, man. I'm going to be so upset. Now I'm just thinking about it. I'm going to be so mad. But I I think they're going to do the right thing. I just feel like they're building the story towards it. And this will be what causes Becky Lynch to start her path down the redeeming path of, of getting the fans back before she goes after Ronda. Yes, that'd be the proper reset for WrestleMania. And they do not need a champion. We've done winner take all three years Mm -hmm. ago at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. No need to run that back again. Just give us that singles match that we've all desired for so long. No titles on the line. I'm good. I don't need Becky to be the champion for another year. 
I don't think I can take it. It's stifling to the division. Bianca's champ leads to an intriguing matchup that you mentioned and more possible opponents. Bailey's got a feud with Bianca to finish up. We got Asuka coming back. Alexa's in the corner as well. We got Rhea at long last. There are options here that we can work with versus Becky, who will stifle this division to no end. Mm-hmm. All righty. Next up is Edge's Hill Turn Take Two. Last week, I hated it. I hated the presentation. I was very annoyed by that damn blue spotlight. It came back this week. So WWE really likes to antagonize me with that damn blue spotlight. Fortunately, Edge cut a better promo this week. And I love the new theme song from Marta Bridge, The Other Side. Now, I like this about Edge's heel turn. He's very savvy in that you're not going to cheer for the old song, y'all. You're not going to give me that babyface pop. I'm going to switch things up. I'm going to come out to my own music. That's a bit more me, a bit more dark edge with the blue spotlight. And he cut a very good promo. My only issue is that he went to that classic trope of because of you, because of you people, you made me soft. Because of you, I appeased myself to you. I had to please you people. That's why Randy tore the triceps off my bone. That's why Seth Rollins broke in my house and pissed all over my territory. Because of that, I have been reduced to attacking AJ Styles. And because of that, I freed myself and I freed him as a tag team bitch of Omos. Now he gets to be the pit bull, the two-time WWE champion that can give me his absolute best at WrestleMania. And I did love the dig at Roman Reigns calling him a cosplay bootleg Aquaman as a guy that stacked and pinned him at WrestleMania last year alongside Daniel Bryan. So I love the context of Edge's promo, but you could have left the fans alone because we were not responsible for Seth breaking in your house, leaving your fridge open, having his feet kicked up on your table, drinking your orange juice, telling your, telling your kids that their art sucks and sitting on your recliner saying, this is my house, bitch. We're not responsible for any of that, Edge. It's your fault you have bad security. It's your fault you live in the woods. It's your fault he broke in your goddamn house. Don't blame me, son. Blame yourself. Yeah, you are right about that. He did let Seth Rollins make out with his milk carton and then go home (laughs) and give his children that same milk carton when they asked for cereal the next morning. You're absolutely right about that. He should be ashamed of himself, and Beth Phoenix should be ashamed of themselves for not going to get another thing of milk. That's the first thing I want to talk about, all right? That was when the heel turn really started. Let's talk about that, okay? (laughs) Um, So I kind of saw it a little bit of a different way as far as when he was bringing up the fans. To me, it came off that he was blaming himself, you know, that he was really putting that on himself. You know, he was calling himself soft because he was listening to the fans. And that's how it came off to me. But I could absolutely see why, you know, it, it came off with the fans. And maybe that's why I liked it a little bit more and that in the way he was you know, phrasing it, it came off to me like he was saying, you know, God, man, I'm such an idiot. I'm so soft. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's all me. It's, this is the reason why I haven't been winning because of me. It, this is all my fault. And it's because of you. So I, you know, I, I can get, I, I get it absolutely how it can go both ways. Um, the blue spotlight's not for me. I do like what you said about the music though. It's nice to have, 
you know, a heel, having some heel music. Because then whenever he does go back babyface, it's going to be a real nice reaction for that on this day that comes out. Or, you know, you think you know me. So I'm very excited about that aspect of it because I'm, I'm a big music guy. And he has... God, WWE has some terrible music now, so his music is such a bright spot to hear. Um, but I, I like I like to see. I think this was a very good week um, for me. But then you know I hear you know how you took it, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that took it like that. So I do wonder how the heel turn is coming off to the majority because we have two different you know views of how we see it right here so i I do wonder how how it is coming off and i think it's i think the reaction aj styles gets whenever he does come back hopefully it's more of an interruption than you know aj styles is coming back you know because that would be a little surprise but i think that's really going to be the telling point of how much this heel turn is working just based on how you and I both got two different views on his promo. Yeah. And the one thing that's just throwing us off is that when they cut the lights off, we cannot see the reaction from the fans live and they pipe in that noise still. So I don't know the sincere reaction to edge when AJ returns in Chicago on Monday. We'll know then because Chicago tends to be a very lively town and I got to read faces. I cannot go by the noise. I got to see you getting up. I got to see you verbalizing what's going on because then I can get a sense of if this is working or not. We'll really know at WrestleMania because you can't (laughs) phone that reaction in. You'll see 80 thousand people going off one way or the other for edge or otherwise so we'll see but that's the one thing that really distracts me i don't know the true reaction we have our thoughts on it it's kind of on the same wavelength with a few exceptions regarding how the promo came off how the promo came off but it's still very confusing as a fan the production is way overly produced by kevin dunn it's too extra i like the music as scott mentioned today's music by wwe mainly sucks and at least they can afford alter bridge can you afford anybody else can you afford somebody else to produce some of these songs for today's stars because these tracks are not cutting it these days well, not after signing Cody, they won't be able to afford any of this music. <laughs> and I mean, think about it. We had we had Glorious play for like 10 seconds. We didn't even get to the chorus of Glorious. So I don't know how much of a budget we have for music. I feel like that was more of just the preview they play you. Like, you know, when you look for a song on Apple, they give you the quick little preview. I think that's what they played for Bobby Roode's entrance. So, uh, no, I do not think we can afford anybody but Alter Bridge. I think they're still under contract from us from the Edge song. <laughs> I think that's how we still have them. So that's where we're It's at. an extension of the original deal. <laughs> yeah, there was an injury. So they just added time to it because they had, you know, when Edge got injured, they counted that against Ulster Bridge. So they added all that time to it. So they're still using that time right now. They got plenty of time with Ulster Bridge. At least 15 more years. <laughs> at least. And Edge signed for a couple more years. So they might be up to 20 by now. Oh, my God. The contract froze when Edge <laughs> retired and it got extended when he came back. Exactly. Arthur Bridge is getting paid. I appreciate that. So to future stars, Premium Beat is available to use at your disposal for your song writing needs. Because, Lord, it's it's rough in these streets for WWE music, which used to be a standard, damn it. Now it's just sad. Even Snoop can only produce for Sasha Banks and no one else. Like, no, even I 
can't do that much for you guys. I can't even create an album for 2K22. Machine Gun Kelly does that. <laughs> oh he can't God. even loan a track. He can't even loan a track with his trifling ass. That's because that's because Snoop was on. They saw Snoop doing the frog splash on AEW. It was like, well, we can't let him do the album now. He's out. <laughs> and look, we don't even get Wale. Where's Wale at? Wale's exactly. right there. Where's he had to do it? But we had to go get the guy who Eminem made stop rapping and turn into a rock star who, you know, who has who has Megan Fox's name tattooed on his tongue or something ridiculous like that. Whatever is going on with those two. Oh, my God. And I will never let this go just to pop you. It was seven years ago in Cleveland when Kevin Owens made his main roster debut and noted rapper Machine Gun Kelly tried to defend John Cena. Kevin Owens powerbombed Machine Gun Kelly through a table <laughs> and, Michael, and Michael Cole had the greatest, shadiest, backhanded compliment to a celebrity on Raw saying Machine Gun Kelly is not a superstar. Wow. <laughs> wow, he said that? Now, he meant to say he wasn't a WWE superstar. I implied he's a nobody, and you meant that, Michael. He, Michael Cole knows exactly what he's been doing this a long time. He knows exactly what he's saying. They do took a shot at Machine Gun Kelly, and I'm here for it. I'm here for yes. the MGK shade. And then he popped right back up and no sold it. So like that was just rude. But <laughs> Michael Cole, rude. it was rude. He got right back up and walked away with his entourage. Like, dude, you couldn't even sell the table bump for five minutes. He got right back up and went backstage. But Michael Cole on that night was a goat for saying Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, my God. He's not a superstar. How could you, Kevin Owens? You're right, Michael. He's not a superstar damn straight oh, that's great that's great memories. thank you for that yes <laughs> it's an all-timer for shade alone it was unattended but to me michael cole meant that he knew what he was saying in that moment all righty next up is a segment that at first i was perplexed by but then i loved by the end because we had the rk bro celebration as our as rk bro randy Orton and riddle celebrated their second reign as raw tag team champions and i looked at this party setup and i thought to myself the wwe budget is down bad what is this this is public access this is low rent this is incredibly cheap but come to find out in storyline randy orton says i'm not the best party planner and this is the best i could do and randy orton is the greatest because i was wondering this setup looks so janky and cheap and he says hey riddle you throw better parties than me i got you a bootleg banner i got some concession stand popcorn i got a flat soda but i got some weed so that's the most important party favor of all and they was ready to smoke it up when the street profits came out there and i love this because montez ford wanted a shot at those tag team titles and randy orton says no 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 we jumped through hoops to get these back. We had to pass a spelling beef for crown out loud. We had to go through two tag teams to get these belts back. No, you don't get a yes. But Riddle convinced Randy to say yes, and they agreed to have a match at WrestleMania 
for the Raw Tag Team titles. Montez Ford vowed to win the titles alongside Angelo Dawkins and told Randy they would throw a party that isn't asked the next time around. And that offended Riddle, which led to a pretty good singles match between Riddle and Ford, which was broken up by the Alpha Academy, who also has a path to WrestleMania, unlike Seth Rollins. So I love the idea of a triple threat involving Alpha Academy, RK Bro, and the Street Profits for the Raw Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. I would love for this to take place via a ladder match that would up the stakes a bit. I would love to see Montez flying off a ladder. That would be highly entertaining. But this matchup could be a show stiller involving the talent of RK Bro, Afro Academy, and the Street Profits. So what are your thoughts, uh, what are your thoughts, Scott, on this party celebration that was so cheap but so great at the exact same time? I thought the celebration was fine for what it was. Um, I'm glad they didn't leave it at that too long because I really loved what they did with the Street Profits. And man, watching this segment, Montez Ford looked like he was ready to be a single star right here. He, if, if Riddle and Angelo Dawkins were not there, I could easily see this being a top tier singles feud right now. Montez Ford versus Randy Orton. I thought he was fantastic on the mic. I thought he conveyed this intensity this quiet intensity where he was you know trying to play nice but you could tell he was ready to just be like yo screw this let's just get it popping right now and so i i love this edge that the street profits brought i think angelo dawkins as i do i think he's very good in the ring i think he's a little underrated because of how much flash montez had but i think he'd be a great heavy for Montez Ford, just a great, you know, number two to have. And they don't have to break up for Montez to go be a singles guy. But that's what I really took away from this was I'm ready to see Montez Ford as a singles guy because he's got the look, he can talk, he's he can move in the ring, he can create a reaction, and I think he can be a really good heel. I think they both can be really good heels if they want to. And I think that's what we're going to get at WrestleMania. I am worried that RK Bro is going to lose, and this is going to start the the rift between Riddle and Randy Orton. Even though I think they could easily get another year out of this team if they really wanted to, but I could see the Street Profits finalizing that heel turn at WrestleMania, winning the titles from RK Bro. I just wish that Alpha Academy was going in as champion, and RK Bro got the big win at WrestleMania. But you know. It's fine for what it is. I agree with you. I think this could be a show stealer. WrestleMania is going to shape up to be a really good card as far as match quality goes. And I think this is going to add right to it. This, you know, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins are subbing in. You know, you subbed them out for Street Profits. You had a match of the year between those three. I think this could be just as good. But yeah, I think Street Profits are going to end up turning heel out of this match, full on heel, and probably win the titles and start the RK Bro split, which I hope doesn't happen. Same here. The Street Profits have been babyfaces since their debut on Monday Night Raw nearly three years ago. It's time for a reset. Montez and Angelo can definitely be heels. And as you mentioned for Angelo, he's underrated. This dude has been one of the greatest success stories from the PC over the last six or so years. His improvement has been rapid, especially this year on the main roster. And to see where the Afro Academy were on SmackDown this time last year, which was nowhere, which was just down bad. But this year they got Letterman 
women's jackets now. We got the shush coming out when Chad comes out with his interest alongside Otis. Like they just click as a tag team. And it took Vince, what, maybe a couple of years to get over Shorty G and embrace the greatness of Chad Gable. Thank you after all of this time. And RK Bro, I adore them. They're the they're the best. But if they lose at WrestleMania, even though if they don't take the pinfall, it is going to lead to a breakup. And I kind of lean with Jeremy's theory that perhaps maybe it won't be Randy turning on Riddle. It'd be Riddle during the honors. It'd be unexpected. It'd be unpredictable. And I do sense Riddle having a mean streak in him. I go back to a takeover in Brooklyn roughly three years ago when he was going up against Velveteen Dream and the fans loved the dream. And Riddle had to flip into a heel for that match. And I thought he was great. So I definitely see him developing a mean streak against Orton if it ever came down to it. Yeah, I think Orton's at the point in his career where people, unless he does something really dastardly, but people just are, it's going to be hard for people not to cheer Randy Orton at this point in his career. And that's a really good match you bring up as far as anyone who might question Riddle being able to kind of bring that. And his kind of, you know, I don't care attitude could rub some people in the wrong way. He could really use that as a catalyst when he's doing his promos. Well, like, yeah, whatever, dude, who cares what you got to say? So, yeah, I, I, Riddle can do. Riddle could definitely pull it off, and it would come out the blue because I still think Orton's going to be the one to turn, and I think it's going to be this where, you know, Orton's like, I told you not to take this match, and you don't listen to me. And, uh, but the Riddle thing is very intriguing, and maybe because they don't have a lot of top-tier heels, so that would be a nice way to boost Riddle that way. Yes, and a nice way to have Orton be over as a babyface that no one will boo. Look, look, he burned the fiend alive and he got cheered. So if he can't get booed for that, Randy Orton is a babyface for life. So just saying in that regard, as we transition to the main event of Monday Night Raw featuring Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens fighting for a spot at WrestleMania. Not for any spot, not a match. Not even a championship match. They fought for the right to host a talk show at WrestleMania. It's stupid. It's silly. But this match was great. And you can feel the intensity from both guys as they as they were desperate to make the WrestleMania card. And KO is great. Rollins is exceptional per the usual. And I love the closing moments, the near falls and the referee being out of position as Seth had the win with the roll up. And then... KO hits the stunner, pin Seth Rollins clean. And then we hear the announcer saying that Seth has no path to WrestleMania. His hopes are dashed. It's a nightmare for Seth. And now it's dropping all the Cody hints because we were in Jacksonville this past Monday night. We did get a loud Cody chat one time on the show, but Cody was not there to continue the teases courtesy of himself and WWE as he will show up eventually. And he will be the opponent for Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, whether that will happen in Chicago, the go home show for WrestleMania next Monday or at WrestleMania itself. It's coming very soon. And dare I say that the American nightmare versus Versus the laughing maniacal joker Seth Rollins could be a show stiller at WrestleMania's night one or two. Can we just talk about for a second how Kevin Owens? Let's just let's just talk about Kevin Owens for a minute. You've brought it up multiple times, Keela. You've been a a very big advocate for Kevin Owens getting his U.S. title shot that he still um, has not received. This man mm-hmm. is having to. Uh, have a match and win a match to host his own talk show <laughs> that he set up. Okay. He he got the guests to come on. He set this whole thing up and had it all ready to go. And now 
he's got to defend his spot as a host of his show against his best friend. This is, uh, man, I'm going to tell you what. This is what we signed. I mean, Kevin Owens, I hope you got the bag, too, because they've been putting you through the ringer, big guy. Let me tell you. Holy crap. Um, the match was fantastic. These guys have great chemistry. They're excellent as partners. They're excellent as opponents. I don't think they can do bad in the ring together. The this setup, it just, But the setup of the match is just ridiculous and silly i mean i thought they weren't supposed to have a wrestlemania moment last week you know and now they now they're fighting for an opportunity to host the one guy's talk show and what was rollins going to do if he won call it the the rollins ko show the rollins knockoff show you know what what was it going to be the sko so the, 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 the premise of this is really silly you know we just got a fantastic match out of it um the the Cody teases were good. Again, this week showed. I think this is gonna kind of open. I think the I if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. Um, sexy Grandpa Dez is definitely gonna correct me if I am wrong. Uh, but I, I think the third hour held up a little bit better than normal. I could be wrong about that as far as the rating goes. But you know, I the Cody teases. You heard the crowd. They're ready for it. The internet is ready for it. And that is going to be a majority of kind of the crowd at WrestleMania. Those, that internet crowd that really, you know, is a hard nosed wrestling fan. So they're ready for it. I'm ready for it. I kind of hope he does show up because I I want that pop at on raw. I want that, that natural reaction on raw and just to kind of get the graphic too. I, I want the graphic. I want all that stuff. So, um, yeah, this match was fine, but just getting to this match was incredibly stupid. Yes, and Sonya's saying, what a great idea. Let's put a talk show on the line for WrestleMania. And Kevin Owens had me going when he said, listen, Sonya, Stone Cold is coming to see me. I pissed him off. Right. He's coming to whoop my ass. Don't take the ass whooping away from me. Seth is trying to copy off of me. He's trying to take an idea I created, I came up with, and I want the ass whooping at WrestleMania. We're talking about a talk show. We're not talking about a championship match. We're not talking about a grudge match. We're talking about a goddamn talk show but due to the greatness of kevin owens and seth rollins somehow some way they made it work despite the stupidity of it all i'm sick of sonya too <laughs> so there's that yes well at least we got reparations yeah, that's that's true you know we, we do get that we had to get that in line before cody came because lord knows what would have happened if sonya was still running wild before cody came we know that wasn't gonna last long no only cody only cody can provide the reparations we deserved <laughs> but he said naomi you must do this for all of us only you can solve racism not just me so i appreciate that as we make that segue to NXT 2.0, which went down this past Tuesday from the WWE Performance Center and in a rarity, I have to admit, as yeah, I can hear, hear Scott, Scott, you hear it, don't you? <laughs> you hear the hands rubbing together because he knows that for the first time in recorded history on this show, I am going to pay the Miz a compliment. Miz TV was actually good for a change because 
The Miz was over in Orlando. The guys viewed him as a god. Dolph Ziggler is over as NXT champion. Robert Roode is a nice centerpiece there. And LA fucking Knight is a star amongst superstars on that show. Every time I see LA Knight, I get chills because he's beyond NXT at this point. He is meant for the main roster. And I got a kick out of Ziggler calling a 39-year-old man a kid. A grown-ass man is not a kid, Dolph Ziggler. You're 40-something. The Miz is 40-something. Bobby's 40-something. And we're trying to attract a younger demographic on this show. So old men talking about old men who you label as a kid was not it. But I loved LA night setting his ground saying that listen you got something that belongs to me i came on your territory a few months ago i invited you over here you got a belt out of it so now i want a shot at that championship on my show la night's show and the miz was a great shit stirrer the face he made as he kind of goaded ziggler to take in the match and ziggler saying that you can find me in the main event something you know nothing about and ziggler up until a few weeks ago you forgot about the main event too let's not pretend that you were a part of the main event scene on monday night raw and smackdown over the last four or five years but i digress on that but on the whole i thought that miz tv kicked off nxt on a positive note and no i have not been forced to say any of this on this microphone i sincerely mean that but it's still fuck the miz all day but go ahead scott uh, i'm sorry i my, my mic cut out uh, my, my headphones cut. i didn't hear a word you said could you repeat <laughs> everything you just said i didn't hear a word you just said especially that very first sentence what, what was what was that you said the biz was what <laughs> No comment. I said what I said the first time. I am not going to repeat it on this show. You're not going to force me to compliment this man twice. No. All right. Touche. Touche. Um, no, I, I, everything you said was spot on. I, I think that L.A. Knight is far beyond this. Um, even the, I think even The Miz was taken aback by the reaction and the reception that he got because he... He was going for a second and then he kind of looked and was like, wait a minute, y'all still cheering for me. Okay, let me have this. Let me let me eat this up for a minute. So, you know, and, and honestly, that is the reaction that you want when guys like Ziggler, Rude, The Miz, that's the reaction you want when those guys do come down to 2.0. That's how it's, you know, and, and especially that's how it's set up to be and that's how it's supposed to be. So... It's good that they're getting that reaction and perception, you know, is is a big thing. And for the audience who watches 2.0, you know, if it's, a, you know, especially considering some of that is a different audience than Raw and SmackDown, that is a good sign to see The Miz as a big deal. It's like, oh, so who's this Miz guy that everybody's cheering about? So then they go check out Raw, which could be a bad thing and may not make them check out Miz anymore after that. But, you know, the the, the idea that we have these raw and smackdown people coming down to nxt and they're treated like stars that's that's a good thing for the show you know it it makes the show look good it makes these guys appear a bigger deals than what they really are on their shows um la night man there's there's not a lot you can say except it's time to move this man up and I mean, I would shoot him straight to U.S. title shots. But, well, then again, I you know, they they just swapping that belt off left and right. So maybe send him to SmackDown and let him go there. But then again, they're swapping that belt off left and right. I just, I'm ready for L.A. Knight to be in a feud where he can just chew somebody up on the mic and really have a large crowd. To think about that large crowd hitting that, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and that's a fact of life because you know, you know who I am. I'm the crowd saying L.A. Night. Oh my gosh, WWE is built on on catchphrases and all that stuff, and he is just a walking catchphrase. So it's amazing he hasn't been called up. I, I'm counting down the days for that to happen. It's got to happen after after WrestleMania weekend, I think better and as i mentioned last week if there is one man that can replace what with yeah mm-hmm. it's la night this is the guy that can eradicate the what chant forever yeah it can be grating if it happens over and over again but it's more enduring because it means you agree with what the person is saying right it's a reinforcement of like hey you're doing good yeah so i'm all for that la night is such a star he's a walking catchphrase and i know chris jericho is doing a gimmick on AEW of being a sports entertainer. LA Knight is the very definition of a sports entertainer that checks every single box. Mm-hmm. Vince would love this guy. The promos, the crowd participation, it would be everything. So please, 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 please call him up after WrestleMania. This guy is going to be a big time star on Raw or SmackDown if WWE has any sense. And fortunately, you own the name L.A. Knight, so there'll be no changing of that unless you call him Skeeter alongside Doug. <laughs> Skeeter. Oh, boy, let me tell you something. If they if they change L.A. Knight's name again to Skeeter, oh. <laughs> Skeeter Knight. L.A. Skeet. L.A. Skeet. You know, who, who knows what they might do to this guy? Oh, man, Skeeter. Imagine if they put Cody and uh, L.A. Knight together as Doug and Skeeter. Oh, my God. Randy Rhodes and Dranny. <laughs> can't call her mayonnaise, though. You can't no, call her mayonnaise. No, no, no. We copyrighted that. Mayonnaise is trademarked, okay? <laughs> do not do it. I love it. So it's possible, y'all. But in all seriousness, LA Knight could be a star on a big time show for WWE somewhere down the road. He is what they want and he has what they have in terms of please give me a big audience to work with and he'll make them love him. Trust me on that. And now in more Forbidden Door news, the Mysterios randomly popped up on NXT 2.0. Everybody took a gasp like, oh my God, Ray and Santos Escobar are sharing the same room. They're breathing the same air. Give us this match. But instead we get Dominic Mysterio versus Raul Mendoza, which was fine. But a lot of people have been commenting on Dominic's run in WWE thus far. Very mixed reviews. And in the very beginning, I loved Dominic's run in WWE, dating back to his debut at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins back in 2020 during the first couple of nights in the Thunderdome. And he was really good. I loved his matches against Buddy Murphy, against Seth again. And he was one half of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions alongside his father, Rey Mysterio. But I do sense a regret as of late and when you look at a Braun Breaker and you see a Tony D'Angelo you look further on AEW you see a Dante Martin a Jungle Boy you see a Darby Allen coming into their own you see an MJF way beyond his ears you see a lot of younger guys around Dominic's age range growing and flourishing and Ray had an opportunity to go to AEW with his son to really perfect his craft but he trusted WWE to do that job alongside him as a guy that knows his son best but at the exact same Tom, I feel like Dominic has hit a ceiling on the main roster. The work is not as crisp. The promos need some work as well. And being on NXT 
Full time might be a way for him to hone his craft to be a complete performer. Yes, I've said some things about the training process that has not been pleasant as of late. And I still stand by that. But you still got good people there that have some common sense. And Dominic is not a complete blank slate. You do have pieces you can work with and perfect along the way versus working with people that are green as grass and rush and rushing them to TV, which is my larger issue. So you got a guy like Dominic, former tag team champion, will be a part of this year's WrestleMania. But beyond that, I think he'll be a more valuable asset on NXT 2.0 in front of a younger audience working with younger stars that can get him over in the process and importantly, find out who he is away from his father's shadow. Ah, oh, man. I I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that. I, I really think if he is not with Rey Mysterio right now, he would just get lost in the shuffle you know and I I think it's a good thing that he did debut on the main roster I mean look at what they did with Rex Steiner how dope of a name is Rex Steiner you know they changed it to Braun Breaker this dude would have been leaping Larry if he would have debuted in NXT (laughs) instead of coming up on Raw so you know I'm kind of torn on it And, and it's not that I think you're wrong about him needing the extra reps and working with some of those guys in 2.0 but at this point, when you've been on the main roster and you've been working with some of the talent that you have been, um, especially in the tag team setting, like you've done a lot of work with Rude um, and, and Ziggler and guys like that, is going back down to NXT 2.0. It would that act would that help him? You know who. Because then it becomes, who are you working with down in 2.0? You know, what veterans are you working with? I talked about this last week, how, you know, you got to, you, you have to make sure that you're matching up these young guys with the veterans. And I think they've done a great job of that with like a Braun Breaker, Tony D'Angelo. They've made sure to match up with guys who have tons of experience and can go. Who do you match up Dominic with? That's not already in, you know, kind of a spot. It wouldn't be a Champa because, you know, he's got things he's going to do and he's probably not going to be there too much longer. Um, Santos Escobar, you could do something like that. So, I, you know, I could see something like that. Maybe that buys time until Rey Mysterio comes back down and you get that match, which is the one we all want. But him working with um, Legado del Fantasma while they build that feud, that could work. But I think that's where my issue comes with Dominic on 2.0 is who does he work with that's going to be on par or better than who he's working with right now on the main roster? Gunther. <laughs> well, that's a, <laughs> I, I laugh at the name, but you're right, though. That's a, and in that entire Imperium, that's actually really a really good call because that those are three guys who he would you know, definitely take a lot from working with. So yeah. And so maybe, maybe there are more than I'm giving credit for grizzled young veterans. Those two guys can go to. So maybe there are more than I'm thinking about because they're just not on TV as often as they used to be. So maybe there are some more guys that he could be working with. Gunther would get that man together in two weeks. Gunther would would break that boy. He'll break him in half and rebuild him in Imperium's image. No, nah, let me let me not say that because Dominic's first time, even before he had that match with Seth, he was getting tossed around by Brock on the outside of the ring and still decided to come back and keep going. So yes. let me not say that. He, he'd be fine with Gunther. Let me not say that. But his soul was not chopped from his body. That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's still time for that. He might change his mind once that first chop hits his chest and his soul leaves the body for the first time. I would love to see it. I like the idea of Gunther 
and Roderick Strong being another seasoned vet out there, Kushida as well. There's options. I just think that Dominic needs a bit more seasoning on 2.0 to be a complete performer. The promos need work. Mm -hmm. They need Jesus a little bit. They're rough around the edges. Ray is a better promo. I remember back in 2019, Ray was cutting some of the coldest promos to Brock Lesnar that I bought fully and I want Dominic to really get locked in as being not like his father but finding out who he is as a performer to get away from the shadow for a bit and be his own man away from the main roster for a bit maybe run the land on NXT and hell maybe give me Dominic and Braun Breaker give us a taste of the future Dom is younger than Braun Breaker believe it or not and he's on the main roster so I would love to see those two work together at some point just something that would give Dominic something fresh to do to really find out how how he truly ticks as a performer besides working with some veterans but working with some up-and-comers might help as well long term and that could be what it takes for him to really find him like you you mentioned find himself find that moveset find that style that really is what separates him from the pack and really makes him stand out from his father so that could be something to that Yes, so we'll see how it goes as the Monday Night Raw invasion continues on 2.0 as we set the stage for Stand and Deliver in two weeks on Saturday, April 2nd, live from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. An afternoon show, by the way, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Right here on The Wrap, we will cover parts of that show, not the entire show due to the craziness of WrestleMania weekend. But the card is starting to take shape. As we mentioned, Tomasa Chapa might not be long for NXT as he will now be facing Tony D'Angelo, which could be the match of Tony D'Angelo's life so far. Because with Ciampa, you're going to learn today. You're going to learn how to be your best self in front of the largest crowd possible. We got... Braun Breaker versus Dolph Ziggler for the NXT Championship. We got a ladder match for the North American title. So far, we have the champ Carmelo Hayes and Santos Escobar as qualifiers with more to come next week. On top of that, we also have on tap a triple threat match for the NXT Tag Team titles involving MSK, Imperium, the Tag Team Champions, and the 22 Dusty Cup winner, the Creed Brothers. We got the women's title on the line involving Mandy Rose and Cora Jade and possibly the women's Tag Team titles as well. So Scott, as you get a quick glance at this card, what sticks out to you the most and what do you feel about this entire 2.0 going on the road for the first time in well over two years in front of a crowd that is going to give them the truth in terms of true crowd reaction. I think the card looks really solid, man, especially for especially when you think about where this show was when it first debuted to what this card is looking like now. This is a solid card top to bottom. Like I, I think all these matches could be good to great. And and I, I genuinely mean that. Braun Breaker versus Dolph Ziggler could be excellent. That could be an excellent showcase match for Braun Breaker. Ziggler's that guy for that. Champa versus Tony D'Angelo. That can be excellent. Tony D'Angelo has shown that he's been able to really pick this up. He's he's already got the character down. Champa's the guy to get the match out of too. The triple threat match. This reminds me of when we had FTR versus DIY versus the Authors of Pain, with the Authors of Pain being the Creed brothers and the other two filling the gaps. So and that and we've seen what MSK and Imperium can do in the ring together. And we've seen what the Creed brothers in the right circumstances can do. This is another match that could be fantastic. The last Ladder match is self-explanatory. Anything with Carmelo Hayes in it has a chance to be fantastic. He has been, he might be 
the most consistent and the MVP of 2.0. That guy has been phenomenal this entire time. So anything he's been doing has been fantastic. The match I think could be the weakest, and it could actually surprise people, is probably Cora Jade and Mandy Rose. I you know, I don't think this is going to be the barn burner. This is not going to, in my opinion, this is not going to be able to hold up with some of the women's title matches of the past. But I think Mandy Rose, I think they're going to, I think they're both going to be out to try to prove something. So I think this will be better than probably what we expect. The women's matches seem like the weakest on the card, but I'm hoping that they surprise us and they give us something. I would also probably expect to add a, you know, a a Parada versus a Indy Hartwell match, which could be okay. Maybe we get that. It, it seems like they've it's been built up enough to get there, so that's another match. I do like that we could have possibly three women's matches on the card. That is that's an excellent thing, especially for 2.0 standards. I'd love to get Nikita Lyons on there. I don't know how, but I'd love to get her on the card somehow. But I think the card is it's really good for 2.0, man. This is shaping up to be a very fun show. Yes, this is a nice matinee for WrestleMania. I know the time frame is a little wonky, but I'm looking forward to it. And the Corey Jade-Mandy Rose match is the one match I do think will surprise people a bit. Crazily enough, during New Year's Eve or earlier this year, I thought that Corey Jade and Mandy Rose worked better together than with Raquel Gonzalez and I thought they jailed when they were working together if they keep this match a singles match for stand and deliver they could potentially have a show stealing match I know they're a practice this match until the cows come home but I truly believe that this could be a nice gem of a match and Cora Jade might be coronated that day in Dallas to say we are really about the youth movement in WWE is she ready for the moment not just yet she does have charisma. She has a ways to go as a performer. And that might open the door for maybe a rock sea to walk through to be that next champ in line who was a bit better than Corey Jade at this point. And she's now officially signed with WWE. But I do love the potential of this match based on what I saw at New Year's Evil back in January. Yeah, I think you might be higher on this match than I am. I, You know, Corey Jade... <sighs> I don't know. It's something about Cora Jade that I, I think she's got a great look. And there is something to her where you you kind of do keep your eyes on her. And you're like, all right, let me see what she's about to do. But I, I don't know. Her in the ring just hasn't done it for me. I, outside of that huge spot she had at the War Games, I can't really think of any match she's had where I've been like, wow, Cora really impressed me right here. Yeah. And this is a test for her to really stand down in front of a crowd that is going to be, what, 5,000 strong. This mm-hmm. is not 200 people. This is a big crowd. I hope she rises to the occasion. I see moments from her, but as you mentioned, it is very iffy in terms of can she really deliver a fully realized performance with the highest stakes? I believe Mandy Rose can, but we'll see if Cora Jade can hold up her into the bargain as then and deliver. And I do suspect that Tony D'Angelo is going to be a made man by Ciampa when it's all said and done. He's got the potential to be a top tier star. He's got the look, got the charisma, and it is remarkable to see his first match from 2.0 well over five months ago to where he is now. The growth is remarkable and he's a fast damn learner. And if you work with Champa, you might get four stars on a Saturday afternoon. Just saying. And now we must address 
horny hours at NXT 2.0 around nine o'clock every Tuesday night. It never fails Mm -mm. as Scott groans in the background. (laughs) It never fails at around nine o'clock PM Eastern. The horny hours of NXT 2.0 hits its peak. And Tuesday we took it five steps too far as we had Persia Parada and Indy Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell have a match. It was not very good. It was secondary really to Duke Hudson and Dexter Loomis. And Indy rolled up and Indy rolled up Persia for the win. And then we get Index alongside Persia and Duke making out having a making out contest we got tongues going we got lips locking they're on the mat just making out as if it's sunset beach sunset beach or something just terrible the fans start to boo and then andy breaks character and she sees to her side damn they're still going at it like cut scenes over we can stop making out now it was so so tacky and so bad. And I know it's leading to a six or I should I say a mixed tag match involving Index and Indy, uh, Indy and Dexter versus Persia and Duke. But I don't care. And I know that WWE is trying to attract a, young, a younger demographic with this kind of content. But there's a thing called porn that you can search online and you can find stuff like that. Skinamax might exist on HBO Max on demand. I honestly don't know. There's Instagram. There's the Bachelorette. There's the Bachelor. There's Love Island. Temptation Island is back on USA now. Just this isn't it. This doesn't work for me at all it doesn't intrigue me i'm not overheated because of it quite frankly my stomach churns and it's so tacky it's so lame and i just want horny hours to be reduced to maybe five minute segments on this show and not 20 which we get most weeks when we got brooks and dunn also courting fallon henley on farmersonly.com you know, I had to uh, when they when they started, you know, making out and ripping the clothes off. I had to check my channel and make sure I wasn't going to be charged for some softcore porn um, <laughs> on my cable box. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that nothing was ordered without my consent. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. I hate it. I think it's stupid. It's pointless. When the NXT 2.0 crowd is turning on you and booing you, you know that you have something that is trash garbage and does not need to be on the TV. I mean, what is the end game? Or is it just going to be a big orgy, a big foursome between them? Like, what's the end game supposed to be? I, I don't, you know, wh- what was the end game supposed to be here? Was was Indy and, and Dexter supposed to be like, oh, well, I guess we can't make out as long as they can. Let's just go to the back and actually have sex like adults, you know? Like, wh- I, I don't exactly understand what the end game was supposed to be or who what the point was, what the point that was trying to be proven was. I, I think it's all stupid and the sooner we get through this feud and you know we get through who can turn my man on the most it will it'll be better for both because I think they both can bring something to the table the male and female I think both groups have something to bring to them and I actually like the Parada Duke pairing I think that could be a very nice you know uh, package right there in all honesty, is because I think Parada would be a great uh, manager for Duke, and I think Duke could be a great manager for her as well. So I think that could be a great package. But everything else about this is just a waste of time. 
You can't tell me they don't have a thing going on for real. You don't kiss like that. No, you don't. You don't. You There is absolutely <laughs> some type of real chemistry going on. And they've been making out like that for a few weeks now. Like that's yeah. that's how they've been making. Like you see the tongue escaping the mouth and the other tongue wrapping it back in. It makes no, no, where you going? We ain't done yet. Bring that tongue back in here. <laughs> We talked about Seth Rollins making out with Edge's milk. This is way worse than what the Seth Rollins did with his milk. <laughs> and they weren't even trying to produce no milk. They just having they just straight kissing. You know what I mean? So uh... it's true though. Like it's true. I look at them. And I feel like I'm interrupting a moment between them. I should not be watching this. The tongues are right on each other. They're wrestling. They have a tug of war going on. And something popped into my head just a moment ago because I've always been on them for having side hustles on 2.0. So Duke Hudson is going from the poker room to the swingers room. I fully believe that. We're going to have swinging couples very soon. We're going to have index swapping with Duke and and Parada. It's going to be a full-on orgy. It's going to be something that's going to be possibly X-rated to really push the numbers up. You want a real-life sex celebration? This is the show for you. Check out The Swingers Room Tuesday nights after 9 on NXT 2.0. I thought you were about to say Duke Hudson went from the poker room to the poker room. That's what I thought you were about to say. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, even though we're not a family show necessarily, I'm not going that far, but... You're not wrong. That's what I thought you were going. Yours we're was almost definitely there. better. Yours was definitely better. Now, Scott went classic Vince. <laughs> went straight for the low brow, the lowest common denominator. You're right. That is absolutely a joke. He would have screwed. Hey, I, say this right here. <laughs> the poker room. Say this. Get say it? this, Wade. Say this, Wade Barrett. Say, say it slow. Poke. Room. There you go. <laughs> and the laugh. <laughs> That's, That's entertainment, folks. <sighs> All right. So as we recover from the horny hours, let's dive into Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, which featured kayfabe attempted murder as Brock Lesnar <laughs> had a moment, y'all. First off, right, Roman Reigns, the Usos, and Paul Heyman come out to brag about beating up Brock a couple of weeks ago at MSG. And Paul's phone rings, and he tells Roman, hey, Brock's playing his attain in Saskatchewan. He's not going to be able to make the show tonight. And hey, we're good to go. And Roman brags about him being here. He fulfilled his obligations. Brock Lesnar didn't because he's scared of his tribal chief. And then Paul panics about a couple of minutes later saying, my tribal chief, I have something to tell you. And Roman's in the zone saying, don't interrupt me. I'm in God mode right now. The people want to hear me. They pay to see me, Paul. But Paul tells Roman he's here. He's on his way. And Roman says, I thought you said he wasn't coming. And Paul says, I'm wrong. What do we do? And Roman says, what we're going to do is wrap this up because you showed me he wasn't coming. So they all left. They ran backstage to the SUV. And we hear the sound of a call horn. And it's Brock Lesnar on a goddamn forklift. And in classic WWE (laughs) post-production, Brock runs the forklift into the SUV. It's a dummy vehicle. Nobody's in the car. And we go to commercial break. We come back. And through the magic of 
editing, we have the Usos and Roman in the car with the glass shattered. And I have to give demerits to Jay Uso in particular. The acting was really oh bad God. as he pretended <laughs> <laughs> he pretended that shards of glasses in his eyes. He tried to blink like, is he glass in my eye? Oh my God. Like Jay Uso's acting was horrendous. Roman was a bit better, but Denzel can definitely teach y'all tips on how to act in that particular moment. So they're in the car still and Brock has a forklift and he's going to flip the SUV over the SUV over I should say and we know that this is a dummy car nobody's really in the car and through the magic of more editing Brock (laughs) has the bloodline on the run and they magically find a truck to hop into the keys in the ignition and they get to drive away as quickly as possible and Brock is in chase mode he goes after Roman Reigns And in the process of pulling the car door open, he pulls the entire car door off his hinges and they drive away. And Brock fucking Lesnar, cowboy Brock Lesnar, takes himself and the car door to the ring. And what got me, Scott, was when he tipped his cowboy cap and said, hello. Hello, y'all. How y'all doing tonight? Got my cowboy hat here. Got my car door in the other hand. Let me go on down to the ring with my car door and say, Roman, in two weeks is blood for blood son at WrestleMania. I'm the, bi- I'm the bipolar beast. You don't know who you mess with now. I see you in two. He stumps on the car door. He walks away. I loved this. This was absolutely ridiculous. The camera cuts were hilarious. The splicing of the footage by WWE to make this as plausible as possible was very laughable, but it was still a great segment for Brock Lesnar having the car door in his hand, bringing it all the way to the ring and tipping the cowboy half a good measure. Say, howdy, y'all. That was Uh, an 11. I adored this. Brock Lesnar is the best. But here's my question. Through the magic of editing and all this photography and shit, where the hell did Paul Heyman go? He was nowhere to be found during the chase, during the accident, during the escape. Because I'm wondering to myself now, did he set this shit up? Because he said Brock was going to be here one minute and not the next. And then he's there. And now doing all of this, he's nowhere to be found. Where the hell is Paul Heyman, Scott? Where is he, Scott? <sighs> I, I, I'm going to be real with you. I, I'm thinking he must still be buckled. Mu- he must have had his seatbelt <laughs> buckled in. And when the truck flipped, they didn't unbuckle his seatbelt. And they just left him in the car. And they crawled out through one of the windows that had got shattered. Uh, probably the one that Jay was laughing at. I think he was laughing uh, <laughs> because uh, I don't know who, who told the joke. But one of them told the joke. And that's why Brock was laughing on the outside. He heard the joke, too. So that's, that's why everybody was laughing. And there was that confusion from Roman because he didn't get the joke. So that's what that's what all the facial expressions was going on there. Um, I, I, the, the opening segment was just absolutely ridiculous. Can we talk about a minute? We we cut we go to a commercial with attempted murder, and we and we come back not with the cops. You know, not with the cops being called. Michael Cole's not, oh my God, somebody called the cops. Nobody's doing anything like that. And I also want to talk about the production guys just standing on the side in the background, kind of watching like, huh, look at that. There's a car being flipped over right there. Who's wonder who's driving that. Just every time they did a camera cut, there's some random guy just standing around with like a clipboard watching like, huh, what's going on over here? Let me not bother those guys. Um, 
One other thing I did notice is that Brock Lesnar might be the scariest man to ever have running at you full speed. Let me tell you, if I ever saw a man like that running at me full speed, I'm I'm not only pissing my pants, but I'm probably just going to end up in the fetal position and just pray because I have no idea what I would do because that is a scary sight. And I'm sure the door was gimmicked. I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Lesnar could really rip a door off like that (laughs) if he genuinely (laughs) wanted to. Um, So that's why a lot of this stuff is believable with Brock. Um, Hangman Page, I would take notes. This is how you become a number one babyface as a cowboy. <laughs> this is the number one cowboy babyface in wrestling. And no, I, I am a fan of Hangman Page, but God dang, how do you not love this Brock Lesnar? And you talk, we talked about crowd reactions. You brought up how you have to see and read people's faces. Roman earlier when he said, the people came to see me. You could see the people react. You can hear the natural reaction. And everybody's like, oh, you see? See what I mean? That's a real reaction. When Brock Lesnar came out holding that door, he tipped the cap. Those are real reactions. You can see genuine excitement when people come out. Like, that is what separates Brock and Roman from everybody else and why this match at WrestleMania is going to work, man. People are behind Brock Lesnar as this monster babyface because of how well Roman's been built up. And now Roman's playing the heel, a completely different character than what he normally plays in his title matches. He's playing this heel character really well to where he's not coming off as, you know, some scared punk, but more of he's just like, I don't want to. I'm not going to fight you unless I have to. Why would I fight you right now when we have a map? I'm, I'm not fighting you right now. I, I just love the characterizations right now of both of these guys. And again, I said it at the beginning of this feud, and I'm going to keep saying it. Brock Lesnar as this baby face is the reason this feud works. It's been perfection. The moment he came back with that luxurious ponytail, I was sold. And then he brings in the cowboy couture just in time for winter. This Brock Lesnar, the laughing, happy-go-lucky, menacing when need be Brock Lesnar is the best. And Roman Reigns is at his absolute best as God mode Roman Reigns. I know there's been a lot of, oh my God, they're having this match again at WrestleMania. We saw it several times already. Not like this. Now their match at WrestleMania 31 was a gem. Mm -hmm. It was outstanding, but the character dynamic sucked and Brock was the de facto babyface because he re-signed with WWE the week of WrestleMania that year and the fans said Suplex City bitch and he was with it. And that is their best match to date. They will top it. And the one thing that that WWE gets on AEW for his blood. We're going to get a shit ton of blood during this match. It is going to be a bloodbath. They tried that, I believe, at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. It didn't work. Oh, it's working this time in Arlington, Texas. It's going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to be a classic for the Unified Championship. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with all that. I think they've already gotten people, you know, you, hey, expect to see some blood. Brock Lesnar's calling for it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brock take the gloves off and, and bust open Roman the hard way, similar to what he did with Randy, or bust Roman, similar to what he did with Orton at SummerSlam. Because um, I, 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 I'm with you. I think this is going to be a bloody affair, and they're literally going to do throw all the rules out the window, and they're going to be able to have every single bell and whistle they want to make this match as big as they're advertising it. Yes, and they're going to make people care. And for Roman's sake, tell Vince, can, can, can you tell Vince, can I blade, please? 
I'm not having this man bust me the hard way. Where is the blade? Right. Cody, do you have a blade from your aid? Can, right. I, can I use one of your blades, sir? Because he ain't fucking my head up. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I'm, I'm going to remember this match. He's going to make me forget this match. He knocks me out and makes me bleed. No. Where's your blade, Cody? Got a spare blade or two? Please. I'll pay the fine. Please. You're right. Uh, listen. Mm-mm. Randy. Randy will tell Roma, don't you let him bust you open. Get a blade, son. Mm-mm. You won't remember the match. Roman gonna be Trust like, how, that how bad was it, Randy? Don't even do it, bro. Don't even Please do it. Please don't. It was so bad, Chris Jericho almost wanted to fight Brock Lesnar because he thought it was real. That's how bad it was. Think, in that gorilla think about position. that. You wanting to go fight <laughs> Brock Lesnar. That's, That's how nerf. bad something has to be for you to want to go yes. up to Brock Lesnar and fight him. Chris Jericho is one of the best professional shooters ever. He wanted to fight Goldberg on site and it was on site with Brock Lesnar because, listen, mm-mm. he thought that was real, real, and it was, and he wanted to beat Brock's ass. That's bravery, y'all. That's bravery. And stupidity, but bravery at the exact same time. As we segue into something that I really enjoyed on this show was a fresh matchup involving Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. I thought this was the best match from Friday's show. I love the action. It was fresh. It was exciting. It was new. It made me care about the women's tag team titles at WrestleMania. And I thought to myself, how come this can't be the match at WrestleMania? No offense to Queen Zelina and Carmella. I like them a lot. But give me these two teams for 20 minutes and they were instantly give these goddamn titles credibility but then we have Natalia and Shayna Baszler come out after a Tower of Doom spot is Liv delivering a powerbomb to Naomi and Sasha and they take out Rhea with a top rope superplex they're all laid out and the heels attack the baby faces and because on SmackDown, there's a path to WrestleMania. Shayna and Natalia have been added to this match for the women's tag team titles. And I was immediately disappointed because I don't want them in the match. I know it's a WrestleMania payday for Natty and Shayna. Fantastic. But I prefer a triple threat. Hell, I prefer Sasha and Naomi versus Liv and Rhea for the titles at this point. A far, far, far superior matchup. But oh, well. It happened tonight to a WrestleMania and made the best team win. Watching this match, the main thing I can think of is the same thing I've been thinking for the last few weeks. Now, this match was good. I, I want to make sure I say that first. The match was really good. This is probably the most I've enjoyed Sasha and Naomi as a team. Uh, Rhea and Liv actually look like they could legit be a tag team. They they have a, a similar style and look. They They mesh really well together. But watching this match... It just pains me to see Rhea Ripley stuck in another tag team. She stands out so much. She has such a quality about her where you're like, man, when is she just going to go crazy? When she's in the ring, she's, nobody stacks up to her. Like Nobody can stack up to her in the ring. It's like it was In that ring. Like Sasha can, but she's not even being presented like that. And she's not even carrying herself like the boss that she is. And I don't know if that's because she doesn't want to overshadow Naomi. But there's not that presence there. With Rhea, she don't have to do anything. She walks in the room and you're like, who is this? And then she starts just tossing people around. Rhea... I, Rhea is a pillar, or at least she should be a pillar in this company, male or female. She's that good. She's got that type of quality, and she's young. 
She's young. That's what a pillar is supposed to be is something young that you can build a foundation on. And God dang, she's right there. Your foundation is right there. Everything you need for a star. She's got a great look. She's got size. She can talk. She's different. She's got a different look. I mean, what more do you want out of somebody? What more can she do? And she's got the fans. The fans are ready to get behind her. They're always with her. I I don't know, man. The, the Rhea Ripley thing is really frustrating because I, I think she, could, she should be on that same level that Bianca's on. She should be... They're all a tier below the horsewoman, but I think Bianca's starting to come up. Rhea Ripley should be right there with Bianca. And it just, her being stuck in tag teams just really pains me when I we know how great of a single star she could and should be. She's special. That match on Friday was just an example of how great she can be by herself as a single star. That top rope missed a drop kick to Bianca Belair. Not to Bianca Belair, but to Sasha Banks was insane. It was pinpoint precision. And it's a fresh matchup that I would love to see. And I hope the WWE realizes that Rhea Ripley has it. She always had it was a rough go late early last year when she was called up and then she had to be a part of WrestleMania due to Charlotte Flair having COVID-19. It was a rush situation and she eventually got her game together by working through it. And she's so good. She's only 24 years old. I truly believe she's going to be a pillar of this women's division, but another tag team, Lord have mercy. But as you mentioned, her and Liv work incredibly well together. Why they were not a tag team six months earlier to justify this, I don't know, but it's just really encapsulate how much Rhea needs to be a single star beyond WrestleMania. And here's hoping that WWE cares about these tag team titles beyond WrestleMania. They tend to care once a year. And after that, they don't care anymore, which is sad. Yeah, I don't see this as long term. So let's get this match out the way. Um, whoever you're going to put the titles on and then let's just move Rhea away and just start letting her dominate the singles division like she should have did once she left Nikki Ash. Yes, this is just a way to fill space on the card. Right. It will be a sneaky good match because you got the talent right there and they display that on Friday. But just get some real tag teams in there and not force people together. As Pat McAfee alluded to, they're throwing teams together. Where is the lie? Where is the lie in that, Patrick McAfee? And speaking of Pat McAfee, he put Austin Theory in a pack this past Friday on SmackDown, as we predicted, as Mr. McMahon told Pat McAfee to apologize for going after Austin Theory last week. And Pat apologized, all right. He apologized for kicking Austin Theory's ass. He apologized that his parents gave birth to a douchebag. He apologized <laughs> that Austin Theory is a punk bitch and I loved this faux apology Pat McAfee is the dude and the one thing I love about Pat McAfee is his versatility as a performer on commentary he's light he's funny he's very charming but when he's mad and pissed off that face he gives is so genuine it's so real and I buy in that is a professional wrestler, ladies and gentlemen, a guy that can give you all types of shades of being angry, happy, motivated, and just in charge heading into his match against Austin Theory at WrestleMania, which could be a show stealer come night two. 
I've been calling this for weeks, and boy, oh boy, did Pat McAfee light a fat one and smoke Austin Theory. Let me tell you, um, the promo he cut before he started digging into Austin Theory, I thought was fantastic, too. When he was going, talking about why he loved wrestling, you know, and, and why he's here and how Michael Cole gave him a call and he couldn't wait. And he was about to, you know, he was doing the Steve Austin. He was about to do the million. And you can you can hear how excited and how big of a fan he is because you could tell this is something that he's done for years. Just probably him just shooting it with the, you know shooting the stuff with his boys. Just and the millions. Like you could tell this means something, and he's very passionate about that. And I thought that promo went a long way just to kind of further establish him as just a, another just establish him as a babyface and connect him more with the audience. Like. He's, you know, he's saying, I'm just a fan like everybody else out here. And if it wasn't for me, he pretty much was saying, if it wasn't for me being one of the greatest punters in NFL history, I probably would have been a wrestler a lot sooner. But I was great at something. You know, I mean, he didn't say that because he's a baby face and he's not trying to brag. But that's essentially what he was saying. If I, if I wasn't this great at punting, I would have came and did this. I loved that promo before Austin Theory came out because I thought it did a great job setting the table. And he was in the middle of a great story. The fans were eating up. And here comes Austin Theory, the guy everybody wants to see get smacked. And Pat lays into him and everybody's feeding into it. Austin gets a nice hit. And I like what Austin Theory did. He didn't do the typical, oh, you got me so mad. He was like, hey, I got what I wanted. You apologized. I got what I wanted. You still did what you was told to do. Like, I, I like that. So Austin Theory still has something. He's not over dramatic. He didn't overact the situation. I thought this segment was about as good as it could be. This was a really good segment. And the, WrestleMania, again, is shaping up to be a solid card. The matches, top to bottom, all look solid, man. This is I think this is going to be a fun card. Yes, night two, y'all. Circle night two. Mm -hmm. This could be the superior night. Night one's going to be fine. But night two, we got Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn in an Anything Goes match. Johnny Knoxville is going to join Bad Bunny as a part of one of the greatest wow. celebrity wrestlers in WrestleMania history. I am going there. Strong style Johnny Knoxville is fearless. And Pat McAfee is going to join that elite company of Bad Bunny and Johnny Knoxville is having the trifecta of great celebrity matches at WrestleMania. And that is going to be a stat that cannot be topped. Logan Paul, we'll pray for you. I think Logan will be fine. I mean, that's, you know, you, and I forgot about the Logan Paul thing. So they have four celebrity matches and potentially all four of those matches could be Good. I think the the worst one, quote unquote, worst one is probably going to end up being the tag match um, because I, I who knows I, who knows what type of shenanigans the Sami Zayn giant. I don't even think that's going to be a real match. It's just going to be a bunch of stunts. But yeah, this 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 is going to be something because there is a lot of celebrity involvement in real matches on this WrestleMania card. Usually there's one or two, but we got four. Yeah, it's very unusual to spread it out across two nights. And Bad Bunny was only a part of night one of WrestleMania. And Logan Paul made a cameo last year doing Owens and Zayn. But it's rare to have maybe three or four celebrity matches stand out in a really good way. That could be three stars or more. And I swear, Jaina Knox was going to surprise some people. And Shane McMahon, as I speak on this mic right now, is somewhere crying saying, it should have been me. 
I should have been the one jumping off of high mm-hmm. shit at WrestleMania. And I'm going to tell you this, Shane, Johnny Knoxville's better. The end. <clears throat> well, you let your ego get in the way and now you got replaced yes. by uh, the uh, the common man's son. Man, he got replaced by Pat, Cody, Austin Theory. Woo. He got the replaced for three other people. The Golden Egg. Oh, my God. He's really going down the will list. He's just going to be demoted. The egg is going to get Shane's inheritance <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'd love to see oh, Austin Lord. Theory hit Pat McAfee with the golden egg at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great callback. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it has to come into play. But we'll get to that at WrestleMania in a couple of weeks as we come to the closing segment of SmackDown involving SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair going after Ronda Rousey. And when Charlotte Flair was not wearing anything flashy for a change, for a change, she was in proper ass whooping attire. I was very happy about that. Had the boots on. She was in all black everything, ready to beat up Ronda Rousey. And she talks about Ronda's lack of passion and love for this business. And she's not going to make her tap out at WrestleMania and Ronda falls with a trap and Charlotte introduces a kendo stick they get to fight in at the ringside area and Charlotte introduces another kendo stick tries to choke out Ronda Rousey Ronda does not submit and then she puts Ronda through the announce table via a powerbomb and that wraps up the show with Charlotte Flair standing on Ronda Rousey and she has her hands in the air posing above the WrestleMania sign this was fine, but some parts of this fight sequence was not working for me at all. It felt very awkward and strange. And Ronda Rousey, I don't know what's up because I know that she got the note to smile more, which was mean mugging the first night she came back on Monday Night Raw. And I like the smiling. But when it comes to emoting with the words and the facial expressions, it's still missing for me. I don't know if she's not buying into being a baby face, but you got to sell it. You have to feel it and not just show it. And that's what's missing with this run, everything that Rhonda did was felt the first go around. This time it feels like she's going through the motions and it's not living through the moment of it. I think there's still some residual feelings regarding the boobers coming out during her latter portion of her run in WWE. I get that. Fans are fickle. That's who they are. They will turn on you on a dime. It's what they do. You can't let that get next to you. Charlotte Flair doesn't give a shit about that. She feeds off that energy, and I hope that Ronda does the same heading into WrestleMania. You've got to feel these moments. You just can't go through them. You've got to live for this heading into WrestleMania. you got to feel it in your bones and not just go through the motions. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about that last part with Ronda's promos. It just hasn't been there. And it kind of makes me wonder, imagine what she could do with a mouthpiece like Malcolm Bivens. You know, imagine what she could do running Diamond Mind as her little kind of shoot group. Um, that's me fantasy booking. But if you want an easy way to call them up, I <laughs> Ronda Rousey goes and makes a call, calls Diamond Mind. I want them to come up with me. Bam. Think about her walking around with the Creed brothers behind her as her heavies as she tells them what to go do that'd be fantastic sorry fantasy booking um i think they saw the segment monday between bianca and becky and said we better start upping the intensity a little bit or we're gonna end up losing our spots because becky lynch decided she wanted to be a real heel this week and they had a really good segment to get some real heat on her um, and get some real sympathy for bianca and i thought they had to up it i re- i like this segment a ton more than i like last week's segment whatever um you know they tried to cop mimic the the greatness that they had from the first car segment years ago this i thought was way better and i 
I think this should have been what we had last week. And it should have been two weeks of just Charlotte destroying Ronda Rousey. Um, you know, instead of you blowing your wad and having Ronda tap Charlotte out to an ankle lock when Charlotte was building up that Ronda had no other moves, this is what Charlotte should have been doing. Charlotte should have been getting put in the armbar and escaping the armbar. That's how you put Charlotte Flair over as a real threat to Ronda Rousey and her armbar, which has been unstoppable, is you show Charlotte being able to get out of it. You show her overpowering Ronda and just picking her up and powerbombing her with one arm. That's what you do with Charlotte right now in these beatdown segments. That's how you get it over. So when in the match, when she's trying to get that arm bar and she can't and she can't, but then she locks it in and, and she's really got it synced in in the crowd and it's deep in the match. And that's when the crowd is eating up like, oh, she might do it. She might do it. This might be it. And Charlotte breaks out again. And now the crowd's like, well, what does Ronda do? That's when you bring out that ankle spot. That's when you start doing these different things. And that's why in these beatdown segments, Charlotte should be establishing that she's got the armbar beat. <clears throat> I like this segment because it showed that Charlotte can now beat up Ronda Rousey in just a straight up fight. And that's all this was. Ronda came to the ring against Charlotte and got beat down. Like, that's what you should have been doing with Charlotte this whole time to build this up. I like the beatdown. I like the powerbomb through the table. I like that Charlotte showed a little bit more aggression. The awkwardness, I think, works for this feud because it, it works that they're both awkward for me in that they would be kind of struggling because that's kind of how their first match was. It's an awkward physical match. Like they're just jockeying for a position. It feels like a real kind of grappling contest in that regard. And I hope they do a little bit more of that. Um, kind of like the Rhea Ripley Charlotte match from a few years ago at WrestleMania with no audience. You could hear the struggle going for different moves, transitioning from submissions to counters and whatnot. And that's kind of how this felt to me with that awkwardness. Um, now, hopefully they can kind of smooth some of that out when they get to the match. But as far as just a beat down, I thought this kind of felt a little more authentic than what we've been getting from them. Um, but Charlotte Flair should have been doing this a lot longer. And the, Man, there are just so many ways they could have told the story of Charlotte having Ronda's number until she pops out that ankle lock. Yeah, I agree with everything th Everything that you said regarding the closing segment. It was awkward. I did love the powerbomb spot. And I do love the flashback to Survivor Series 2018, which I thought was an excellent match. I thought that they had a great struggle and they both felt it. That's the one thing missing for me. Ronda Rousey's true feelings. I don't know if she's just pretending to be the happy-go-lucky baby face. I don't know if she's pretending to be mean-mugging to get the point across that she's angry, but she's not really feeling the anger. Charlotte Flair does at least sell the anger and she sells the angst and I just want Ronda to deliver that and bring that to her match against, um, uh, against Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania like she bought it against her three years ago at Survivor Series. I've seen Charlotte bring that against Becky, against Rhea Ripley in recent months of just bringing it from a deeper place of anger, resentment from the fans just being pissed off and not caring. I know she'll do it. Can Ronda do the same and bring that from a real place as well? 
Hey, you know what? I I think Charlotte Flair is really just going to have to lay into Ronda during this match. And I mean, like when she's chopping Ronda, she needs to just make sure that every one of them chops Ronda is feeling five minutes later in the match. Like, I I think that's the only way you're going to be able to awaken that intensity, because I agree with you. There there's there's no fire in Ronda right now, even when she's going after there's no fire in her. It's almost like she's just there and she's kind of going through the motions right now. So maybe that's what Charlotte needs to do is to just wake her, smack her in the face at the beginning of the match. Even if you not, just smack her dead across her jaw and be like, yo, you better wake up. Let's do this. This is WrestleMania and I'm Charlotte Flair. You and you're right. I'm Charlotte. I don't care who you are. You're not going to make me look bad out here. This is my ring. Like that's, that's how Charlotte needs to be coming at her and really bring, you need to bring that, that fire out of her, man. I'm coming in the ring and I'm just smacking her across her lips and telling her, yo, you better wake up and bring it right here. And I think and if you do that, you've said it multiple times. I think you do that. We could be looking at a great match between these two. Yes. Three years ago, y'all cried together. This year, I want y'all to cry and beat your mm-hmm. ass. Just do that. Just bring that and we're good. We got two weeks to go. Brooklyn is going to be really hot on Friday night. Ronda Rousey's got to bring it on the mic and she's got to bring the fight to Charlotte Flair believably heading into the Go Home Show in Dallas the following Friday, one night before WrestleMania night one. And with that, it's now time for my favorite part of the show, the guilty pleasure slash avoid at all costs picks of the week. The one thing we loved from WWE that we shouldn't and the one thing we hated for every justifiable reason. So Scott, what are your best and worst moments from WWE this week? So my worst moment, we talked about it, is um, the softcore porn that uh, WWE is putting out on 2.0 after 9 o'clock. Um, I hope they do know that kids do stay up past 9 o'clock, so be careful doing that. You might catch a lawsuit. Um, let's see here. As far as my guilty pleasure, and this is really going to shock some people. Uh, I talked about it in the Facebook group. It was a, a short two-minute match, but man, I, I do love watching some big sweaty men you know meaty men just slapping meat um and omos versus commander aziz i i really enjoyed that two minute sprint between these giants watching them just run at each other clothesline hit each other i you know it's a lot of fun it's probably because like we don't see it as often as we used to two giants just going at each other and there just aren't that many wrestling right now especially in wwe like on the same on the same brand um I thought Aziz looked pretty good. That suplex spot that Omos did where he almost lost Aziz and then was able to control him and bring him all the way over into a slam. Man, that was so... Sorry, I faded away from the mic. That was me actually lifting Commander Aziz in my imaginary mind and (laughs) slamming him over on the other side. Um, That was incredibly impressive. And I don't know why I enjoyed this match, but I remember once he pinned him, I was like, yeah! Let me get this again. Let me see him fight another giant. Let me see him take some other big dude down. Like, maybe that's the next gimmick for Omos is you just start bringing in these seven footers and letting him just bulldoze through them. But, yeah, I really enjoyed the the battle of the big men this week on Raw. Yeah, that was surprisingly good. I was not offended by it. And I loved I loved Aziz taking that suplex from Omos. Very impressive. 
in Jacksonville. My guilty pleasure this week goes back to NXT 2.0, and it was Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes on guest commentary as Carmelo shouted out Pete Dunne, saying, I beat Pete Dunne so bad, he changed shows, he changed his name, he changed brands. I loved it. And then he said on a live mic that my creator wrestler from 2K22 has a higher score than Cameron Grimes and Santos Escobar combined. (laughs) I laughed my ass off. Carmelo Hayes is the best. Can I say that again? Oh, it's just I told you, man. Hey, that dude don't miss. Mello don't miss. Mello don't Never. miss, man. That was a shot of shots. My creator wrestler has a higher score than these two. Just want to let y'all know. But my worst thing from WWE this week is also from 2.0. It's not the makeout session. It's Cora Jade trying to set a trap for toxic attraction, and she fails. She goes to the most dangerous place in WWE, the PC parking lot. She goes to steal Mandy Rose's white Range Rover, and we have cameras in the car filming all this, and Mandy's in the backseat. You see her in the rearview mirror, and she beats Cora J's ass in the parking lot, regains her championships. We have Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan escape the dumpster and the gated area with their belts. They pose, of course, and they walk away. And Mandy accepts Cora J's challenge for the NXT Women's Championship match at Stand and Deliver. Cora Jade, all of this and you still get your ass beat <laughs> in the most dangerous place in the PC. To quote a classic movie, Cora you're in danger, girl. She got be. She tried to jump somebody and got jumped. Jump. <laughs> what type? How do Come. you do that, man? And I'm supposed to be rooting for you. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You tried to jump somebody and got jumped. You got beat up by one person. Yes. Come on, man. I'm not. But see, this is what I'm talking about with Cora Jade. I, something's off with like. Wh- Oh boy, let me stop. <laughs> this is how we build a baby face committing crimes, committing right. <laughs> committing ca- crimes of carjacking after she stole assault. their items, after she stole their and personal theft. items. Yes, and you get beat up in the most dangerous place in WWE. It's what you deserve, Cora, for being a goddamn idiot. But good luck to you <laughs> at Stand and Deliver. <laughs> Mandy didn't even, you can't even be mad at Mandy because she didn't do nothing wrong because they tried to take Mandy's car. Yes, Mandy's the baby face here. She was the aggrieved party. But it's NXT 2 porno and baby faces must commit all kinds of crimes to get over. It's a shame. And with that, this wraps up a very entertaining episode of The Rapper right here on the Fight Game Media Network as we are now two weeks away from WrestleMania. And as always, I want to thank Scott for joining me per the usual breaking down all things WWE for the week. Yes, thank you for having me. This was a interesting week that got more interesting as it went on. Uh, WrestleMania season is it, it now it feels like it's starting to finally really feel like WrestleMania season. Usually I get that feeling a week after Royal Rumble, but it's taken a little while. But at least now it's starting to feel like WrestleMania. But yeah, I look forward to uh, chopping it up with you again next week because who knows what's going to happen in a week with WWE. Yes, many things can happen between now and then as we are on that road to WrestleMania as it winds on down. And until next week, have a great week out there, y'all. Enjoy Raw and SmackDown, NXT 2.0, all the things in between. For myself and for Scott, that's a wrap.